Welcome, traveler. Lorianne here. I am the producer of this modest but mindful podcast. I'm a psychic medium, a greatness coach, and a portrait photographer mainly focused on capturing women in ephemeral moments of connection. This podcast offers you, the listener, the experiences that when we are aware, self-aware, our perception can change. So gently hold still, close your eyes, and experience moments through a reflective lens of visceral introspection and self-connection. So important, self-connection. Episodes range from psychic forecasts, witnessing the ephemeral, and conversations with folks who are switched on and here to make a difference and serve through their gifts. Enjoy, enjoy. Hey everyone. Well, it's the time has caught away with me. It's Sunday evening, sacred Sunday. And just tuning into the group, the group vibe. And uh, the first thing that I want to look at is uh, that relationship to the physical material world. And the first thing that uh, that's showing up here is it's a, of course a metaphor, a little thought bubble to unpack, and it has to do with you know how we we have we have things in our life you know um, it might be a tool it might be uh, anything a window a door it, it, and for whatever reason it's breaking down and so we kind of give it a bit of a band-aid fix and you know with the promise that you know what um, I'm gonna fix that or I'm gonna get that repaired or mended or maybe I'm going to replace that so that's kind of what's coming through at this level that it's not about these things it's about this idea that uh, you know we're coming to a time of needing to do some a little bit more than just some you know quick duct tape kind of band-aid uh, um, repairs on things we need to do some full-on replacements so you know because this is showing up at the physical material level it's um, it could be it could be something physical it could be an aspect of your relationship to your body as well so just pay attention to maybe something that you keep putting off and you keep kind of refixing it <laughs> this reminds me of Oh my gosh, when, when I was um, a kid, my dad was always, you know, making things out of things. He was a great recycler and a repurposer. He was a newfie. <laughs> so we always used to jokingly say he newfied everything. But anyway, my brother and I wanted desperately to have a tandem bike. And we were just little, like, I don't know, nine, ten years old. And so he made he made one for us out of a couple of old bikes and it was brilliant for about maybe 20 yards and then the chain would fall off 
but we didn't care. We were so happy to have this tandem bike. So we would have to turn it upside down and then we would get our hands all greasy and we'd get that chain back in place. And then we'd happily go along for another 20, <laughs> for another 20 meters. <laughs> and uh, so, um, you know, but it was, it, it served its purpose. And um, I'm not sure what we had more fun doing, trying to ride it or just, you know, fixing it. But anyway, I digress. I'm not sure why that story came forward, but that's what this, this connection reminded me of. How, you know, we just keep fixing it. You know, it's like your glasses are, are broken and you just keep, you know, fixing the tape until one day you're like, you know what, I'm going to get a new pair of glasses. It's like this revelation. So just be open to that in this next cycle. Any little revelations. I would love to hear who has any of these revelations. Um, you know, share it in the group. I think it would be quite interesting to see what shows up. Um, and who knows? Maybe it's a new hip. Maybe it's a... Maybe it's a, you know, uh, a lobotomy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to stop now. Okay, so the next connection has to do with that quality of the connection to the thoughts and the beliefs. And um, at this level, you know, I'm, I'm looking at an interesting structure, sort of geometry. It's kind of dark blues and light blues, and there's shadow and light, and there's definitely angles. And, and so I'm inquiring, you know, what, what does this, what does this have to do with? And it has to do with, you know, the awareness around our thoughts and beliefs and that, you know, there is shadow and light and where there is shadow, there is a lack of information. And so this is where we fall into making up shit, you know, making assumptions, drawing conclusions and filling in what we don't know. And so, you know, this is an interesting habit that we have. Um, so where we have information, we have this illumination. And when we do have information, we can be very, de you know, decisive. And, um, and, and so, you know, we have, if we were to make decisions based on information, versus assumptions, uh, life would be a little bit easier. So, you know, um, and there's also this idea of, you know, if we go this way um, versus that way, uh, based on the information that we have, and we, we just, we only know what we know. And if we can't get more information, then we just need to sort of wait and just be mindful of drawing conclusions, trying to figure it out when you don't have all the information, whatever it is. Um, it's great. It's, 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 it's very fulfilling to the ego to, you know, to kind of go, you know what I think? You know what? You know what I think? <laughs> no, I don't want to know. <laughs> because you don't have all the information. Um, I'm just as guilty. And uh, it's something that I'm, I'm really working on uh, right now. So it's interesting that this is coming up. So um, I'd be curious to hear how you guys are going with that. So then I go into the connection to the emotional body, to our emotional intelligence, our outer social intelligence. And, and sometimes this is where the, the soul awareness can pop in. 
And, uh, and so at this level, I'm feeling that ephemeral awareness coming in. And, um, but it's connected to another metaphor. So, you know, when I lived in Australia and, and I used to love going down to the beach, um, and sometimes you'd get a local, a local down there and he'd be throwing out this big round casting net to catch bait fish. And, um, and they had this interesting way of gathering it up and then doing this interesting toss. So this thing would open up uh, perfectly in a big circle and then just drop and it would just sort of slowly sink from the top of the surface um, in, the, in the surf, actually. So anyway, um, so this is the metaphor that's coming through at this level. And, and so it's sort of like I'm looking at this net just sitting on the very top and slowly sinking in. And uh, as it does, it's going to um, get gathered up um, from the circumference and to catch the bait fish and so this is an ephemeral moment and um, it's so the connection at this level to the emotional intelligence is showing up in this way and is giving us information at an experiential metaphorical level so it's it's it, it is that that transition that transition before the bait fish is actually you know trapped in the net and uh, it's before so it's this transition point um, so have a think about that and if it's related to the quality of the connection to the emotional intelligence Again, it, it almost feels like similar information that was coming through at the level of thoughts and beliefs where we make assumptions. Well, we can also make assumptions at the level of our emotional intelligence and our outer social intelligence that may be premature because we, we don't even know if we've actually, uh, you know, caught any bait fish yet um, we, we we just don't know until we know what we know and uh, so I'm gonna leave it at that and just let that kind of percolate through some of these things are so uh, experiential that we can't interpret them with the mind that thinks it's a body we have to let that body mind interpret it and I keep coming back to this vision of this casting that like it's like frozen in time and it's just sitting on the surface of the water and the, it's all bubbly and uh, yeah so it's that, that moment just before uh, it begins to sink and then gets pulled together and yeah you know what I mean okay so the next one I'm looking at is that connection to identity at that sort of soul spiritual level and I'm looking at the quality of the connection at this level and what what's being presented here is that 
this connection for the monad is really like riding an old bike. So indulge in this feeling around your spiritual connection to who you are as being something that is familiar and that uh, sometimes when you're going up a hill, something is challenging, it takes, it takes more effort to pedal that bike up the hill. But then when you're coming down the other side of that hill, you have to be mindful and cautious so that you don't lose control. So, yeah, just gonna leave it at that. Okay, so now I just want to transition into the influences that are showing up for this next cycle of time. And um, the very first thing that I, I always like to look at is what might be blocking um, our spiritual growth. Um, it's important to look at this level because everything kind of cascades down from that level into the mental, the emotional, and the physical. And so, you know, there's this theme that is showing up that there are, there are aspects of our life that we are ready to let go of that have represented a loss at some point in time. And um, at some point you have to let go to welcome, uh, you know, something new into your life. And, um, you know, whether it's an opportunity, a job, a relationship, um, um, you know, a new creative endeavor, uh, you know, creative download, uh, a new a new skill and but this but this actually carries quite a weighty kind of heavy grieving kind of feeling it's very familiar to me that's for sure and and so it's this idea that um, we've we, we've we're in this 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 energy where you know, it's, it's time to kind of recognize where there's resistance to letting go of what no longer belongs. And I don't know any other simpler way to put it. And uh, it just opens up, it opens up the space for something new. And uh, so, you know, it's this idea that something's missing in your life in life and it's it's kind of like an empty pantry and really what it is it's an it's it's a block around suffering loss and um and that this next cycle of time there are influences that support the letting go uh, another level of letting go and moving forward so so that's the first piece of information that we're looking at. So the second piece that uh, I'm looking at has to do with 
how we relate to others and how we are challenged by others in our life, in particular this next cycle, as an influence. You know, the, the, you know I love looking at this idea of, of looking at the, you know, the people you spend the most time with and how they are influencing you. And so uh, taking a really good look at that, it's, there's this quality of stalling to take action. Um, and, you know, it's like holding the door open for somebody or, you know, ripe fruit hanging from the tree. And, and you're like, are you going to pick that apple? It's perfect. If you wait any longer, it's going to fall and hit the ground and get bruised. And it's this idea of recognizing, you know, that everything has, has a sense of timing to it. And, um, you know, we may recognize other people in our life that are not heeding that sense of timing or they are you know stalling and delaying and um, and so it's it can be tricky to make plans it can be tricky to uh, you know um, work with the universe to bake things into their new state. So, so just, you know, being that influence, being that inspiration and, um, yeah, so You know, I really, I really believe that, you know, looking at the relationships that we have with the other people in our lives is, I mean, it is just like looking in a mirror, right? So uh, wherever there is somebody in your life that is stalling to, you know, take the next move, it is, you know, a reflection of where you may be stalling to make your next move or the opposite where you are overly focused on jumping the gun, right? So it's about just respecting that there is this, you know, timing is everything, divine timing and uh, that, that there is this momentum that makes things happen. And, uh, and we, we are co-creators in that process. And so in a nutshell, it's about being mindful of the timing and recognizing timing and, you know, making the moves in, in step with the universe, being in harmony with these cosmic forces instead of um, jumping the gun or creating a drag. And so, you know, that requires a fair amount of awareness and mindfulness. 
and checking in on our motives and just am I am I pushing am I jumping the gun or am I dragging my heels and or am I kind of coasting right in the middle you know this there's this I there's this um, this level of existence that is uh, that lives in this state of flow where we can be in this state of flow and uh, where we are not pushing or pulling we are just right in that flow and so that's what we're that's what we're aiming for that's the goal to reach that place and uh, so this next cycle of time pay attention to where you are not in alignment with that and you are either pushing or pulling and uh, you know for 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 something to either um, reach its next state um, and and become galvanized with a greater plan uh, a divine plan okay all right i think i might have explained that one um in a more complex complicated way than i needed to but anyway i'm just the messenger and it's late and I'm a bit weary. All right, so I'm going to go to the next one here. So this next piece has to do with just in general, here's a map. Here's a map to navigate. And it's, it's, it's a... one of my favorite sort of um, vibrations that's coming through and it is it is that that feeling of wanting to kind of squirrel yourself away and um, spend as much time alone as you can and um, you know be a bit reclusive and uh, take the time to meditate to reflect to you know, close out distractions. You know, this is, you know, this is, um, this is that, that window of time where, where we need to stop looking outside of ourselves for information and allow the inner light to illuminate some of those shadowy areas, right? Without expectation, without conditions, just being in a, you know, quietly introspective space. And, you know, this, this can be a very nurturing, peaceful state to enter. It isn't the kind of state that we can maintain all the time because we, you know, we are not, um, you know, in a position to, to do that. Life does demand of us a fair bit. So when you, when you can recluse, you know, do some reclamation with yourself and uh, just, you know, listen to that call, listen to that that calling 
That's what's important, to listen to it and to satisfy it. So the last little piece that um, that I want to pull through interesting an interesting piece here um, you know so far all the information seems to be leading towards uh, you know being able to make clear choices and decisions that affect um, you know our spiritual life and uh, that you know making mindful choices that that take care of that spiritual life uh, as if it were you know um, a very important person that you are charged with taking care of and so you know you know even if you're raising a child it's like you you need to have this balance of your head and your heart in making decisions and and so it feels like that at this time that, you know, the working out of this combination of the head and the heart um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a conscious process and <clears throat> it's, it is, you know, resting in this foundation of the goal of of of, of happiness of um, you know empowerment clarity vitality uh, longevity <laughs> so so to me this feels like approaching um, really a fork in the road and you know we're you know we we have different experiences in life that make us feel like you know we're out of control or we're not in the we're not in the driver's seat or something or someone is making us feel a certain way and and these are all falsehood you know cuz we we're really <laughs> pretty much well we are always uh, the biggest influencer in the direction of our life and um, you know we all are unfolding our own myth and in in telling our own story we get to stand back and be mindful of these choices that we make um, that they're that they that are carefully um, worked through and um, you know with that goal of happiness you know sometimes we make decisions and we're not consciously aware of what the goal is you know and it, it could be that we're just looking for a very quick fix a very short-term reward and so you know, it's important to stand back and take into consideration the, you know, the bigger story, your story, your myth, 
my myth that is unfolding and uh and to and to guide its unfolding its blooming consciously um not unconsciously by not you know paying attention to the you know the light and the shadow and the assumptions and um yeah because there's always this opportunity to step into potential like new possibility uh, see new information create something different than we'd even perceived of before and it's that it's that co-creative process with you know universe god whatever you want to call it source it doesn't matter it's this wonderful dance and um, we have the opportunity to do that dance consciously by paying attention to the gremlins <laughs> all right I think I'll leave it here and see if anyone can make sense of all of this. It's clear in my head. <laughs> it's clear as mud. No, it's pretty clear. Sometimes sometimes it's hard to put all this into language. It's it's like they're like these little thought forms and they're seeds and they have to be unpacked carefully. So um, anyway, I hope that it is of benefit to you all. It comes with no conditions and uh, yeah. All right, that's me, 10 p.m. on Sunday night. That's a late one. So we'll get this out to you tomorrow morning. All right, take care. questions from the folks in the Greatness Tribe Facebook group to add on to this week's forecast. So the first question is from Monica and she writes, if you were to give us one nugget of guidance that we could do daily to promote healing within ourselves, what would it be? Really good question and it takes me immediately to well, I've been doing readings for over 30 years and you know nearly every person that I work with at some point either from the very beginning or at some point says you know what what should I read what should I do how how do I how do I you know do this and and I really feel like what we're all looking for is a way to maintain a sense of self-connection. That moment when everything is clear and everything is sure and, you know, you feel like you know where you're going to put your foot down next and you feel this sense of connectivity to all that is. It is basically 
a higher level of conscious awareness. And when we experience it, our first thought is, how do I keep this? How do I maintain this? How do I, how do I, how do I have this every day? So that's why I say it's a good question. And it's always going to be a good question. Do you want the answer? <laughs> okay, so in my humble opinion, oh, you know, we can have a daily regime of meditation, body work, exercise, mindful practice, yoga, tai chi, karate, art therapy, sound therapy, oh my goodness, tapping, um, journaling. Okay, so all of these things, even just being a practitioner of the ephemeral, all of these things and none of these things are going to maintain that connection. It's kind of like a dirty little secret. It's the you that is the product of these things and more and or less. Does that make sense? You know, we, we cultivate through, you know, quality connection time, the connection with ourself. It doesn't happen overnight, but it can happen overnight. There's no limitations in the province of the mind. And so you choose what makes you feel the most connected, the most assured that you're on the right path. And then adjust as you go because it may not be the same thing every day. You know, you might be a, a practitioner of uh, Aikido for 30 years and then wake up one day and go, yeah, not so much anymore. For some reason, I'm being drawn to, uh, you know, Tai Chi. And so I think that it's those pivot points that are really important to pay attention to instead of getting stuck into a rigid, rote way of being. You know, so much of our life is already so scheduled and so regimented by responsibilities and habit that the one thing we don't want falling into that area is anything that we can do to promote our healing within ourselves. So personally, me, what I do is I'm an ephemeral junkie, in case you didn't notice. <laughs> I'm an observer. And I'm a meditator. I meditate every day. And um, 
And I have done all sorts of things, Monica. You name it, I've done it. And um, I would probably be doing a lot of those things if they were within reach. But now that I'm, you know, now that I've made choices to live in more remote areas, <laughs> slightly reclusive, um, yeah, so, um, so that's, that's what I do and that's what I recommend, but it works for me. And for say an A-type personality, they might need a regiment of, you know, something every day. So I guess the answer depends on who you ask. And so that's, that's what I get that's what I do um, you know many many years ago some of you that have been with me for a long time know that I have spent many many years studying Reiki starting back in the mm, 1990 yeah my son was two <laughs> And uh, um, and I studied with many, many different teachers until I stumbled upon Mr. Dave King and pleaded with him to take me on as a student um, more than just through a regular class. And, um, and we did that, and we went on quite a big journey together over many, many years and several trips to Japan and... Anyway, um, the reason that I mentioned Dave is because he was a big influence to me in exactly this way, Monica. Um, and I'm going to just give you a metaphor. So, you know, the, the, I believe where you're coming from is an earnest, sincere desire to reach the next level of your development of your awareness of your healing and growth right we're always striving for that next place where we want to be where we're more connected ultimately we're seeking return to source and um, you know at birth we experience a separation and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to get back inside the womb <laughs> basically um, and so, you know, when I first started studying with Dave, I was very keen. I was like, what can I read? What can I do? What, what should I do? Should I study this? Should I do this? Should I, should I take Tai Chi? Should I? And, um, and the, the answer that he always gave me basically was that, you know, it doesn't really matter what you do. So what matters is who you become and and it doesn't matter how you could witness a horrific accident and that could be worth reading 300 books on spirituality right our life is teaching us every moment of every day if we pay attention and if we apply ourselves and we respond from this wisdom within us 
instead of reacting to the stories that we're still trying to purge. So let me give you a metaphor. Well, it's not really a metaphor. So do you remember when you were a kid and you were trying to work out, well, maybe you're too young for this. <laughs> okay, so this only works if you um, were a kid and you had to learn to tie your shoes. <laughs> you probably had Velcro shoes. Um, anyway, I'm just taking the piss. But anyway, so imagine that you're trying to learn to tie your shoes and you try and you try and you try and it doesn't matter how many times you try, you just can't get it. And then suddenly it happens and you're tying your shoelaces. It's like trying to learn to ride a bike and then suddenly you get it. All the pieces line up and bada bada boom, you're riding your bike. And then you just get better and better and better at it. I just watched my granddaughter do this with her Christmas present of Heelys and the you know the first time she put them on she was stumbling around and within hours she was doing pirouettes on them like a little freak of nature that she is so um, there you go we arrive at the next level of consciousness through falling and hurting ourselves and picking ourselves up again and trying again through pushing through these barriers, these challenges. And so the greatest practice of all is life itself. All right, it's starting to sound a bit preachy and I don't mean to be, um, but yes, that is the guidance around that question and it comes from my own experience as well as from the connection to spirit that as soon as I saw your question, the answer flowed through and there we go. Okay. Thanks, Monica. Your questions were always really good and they're very thoughtful and they're very generously for, for all. And I love that about you. You are um, a beautiful, generous spirit. The next question is from Joanna. So she says, um, okay, one question from me this week. When is it okay to cry? I am asking mostly because of an encounter with a stranger at a pub concert. He was telling me about her husband who was in the hospital for mental health concerns with her and her 10-year-old daughter who had just suddenly lost her old cat to heart disease. Her mom was telling me that she told her now it's okay to cry. It struck me that there are many myths and, un and conditioning about when is it okay to cry. I'm often surprised in my work with animals, Joanna's a vet, by the way, in Australia, that my clients are dealing with some really hard stuff and I don't see tears when they are with me. Looking forward to hearing about your sources say about the question, when is it okay to cry? So, you know, in a similar way to Monica's question answer, we're so conditioned in so many ways. And, you know, this is the, it's really the, the you know, the, the, the cloak that, the, 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 
the cloak of a culture of behavior that we are all given, you know, as we become self-aware and develop a personality and an ego. And this is typically, you know, by the age of seven, it's fully planted and we've been told how to behave in, you know, a lot of different situations. And then if we haven't had that experience yet, someone, an adult around us or another peer is going to give us the social clues, cues, and um, or give us really straight self-correcting information like, okay, we're at a funeral, you're not supposed to laugh. So, you know, the question kind of begs another question, which is, you know, when is it not okay to cry? So really the question is around social, the, the social conditioning, right? The uh, imbalance with the outer social consciousness, the outer emotional intelligence that I make a connection to in my work, you know, the, in, the, the inner and the outer emotional intelligence are something that is really important to stay connected to. So, you know, telling a child now it's okay to cry was her social conditioning from her mother, telling her that this is when it's appropriate and this is when it's not. And the child is confused, right? Because the child is, you know, has got all sorts of emotions raging through her body and you know, she's probably been told previously that, you know, this is not okay and this is okay, like, you know, most good parents are trying to do. <sighs> this is such a big question, such a big um, answer. And I have to turn it on its head. When is it not okay to cry? When is it not okay to laugh? You know, when is it going to be okay to just be who we are in the moment? Because it's that path that liberates us from, you know, needing to fit in, needing to be accepted, approved of. You know, at the the end of the day we're all kind of freaks of nature and we're hiding you know we're just hiding all the time waiting for the social cues to step forward to just be who we are and we're the only ones that can tell ourselves that we can be who we really are there's the only should that we be that we should be shooting on ourselves we should be who we are every moment of every day it doesn't mean we have to be disrespectful you know like there's a bizarre example crying at a funeral well there's every reason to cry at a funeral as there is every reason to laugh at a funeral in the right moment in the right way and um, you know sometimes it just takes one person to start a wave, you know, and, and you know, Joanna, 
known you for a long time and and I know that you are deeply empathic and intuitive and psychic and that you cry for others very easily and you create that opening you create that space to to just let the tears flow from whence they came as it should be you know I mean how long have we all known you know that emotion is an energy and it is an energy in motion it needs to move through us to express through us and if it if it doesn't have that opportunity and we have to choke it back it's like a force that the body has to compound and squish and flatten out and stuck somewhere this is the stuff of illness this is the the seeding of what makes us unbalanced and ultimately leads to serious serious disease so I just feel like um, <laughs> I have to tell a little story and it's it's not a it's not a little story it's a big story so this is several years ago and it has to do with my son will and uh, I had an opportunity to go to a fire walk and um, I was a single mom and so anything like that always required massive juggling of two children <laughs> and, and um, because this was going to be a late night event and so my daughter was happily shuffled off to have a sleepover with a girlfriend but I couldn't find anyone for Will and so undefeated um, I packed him up and brought him with me to a fire walk I know crazy right but you know I thought it all well out I'm a good parent he had a sleeping bag and he had his Game Boy and he had juice boxes and he had snacks and he was dressed up warm and he was just gonna be happy like a little inchworm doing his thing you know no volume on his Game Boy and he was quite happy he was he was a good boy and so for like four hours we sat around this massive bonfire as it reduced down and we received from the firewalk teacher the teachings of the fire right and riveting and fascinating and terrifying all at the same time because there's no secret to be revealed there's just this idea of connecting with the element of fire and merging and becoming one with it and if you're one with something, then you're not in contrast or in conflict with it. So this kind of story reminds me of your question. Because so often we find ourselves, you know, in situations that feel like that we are in conflict with the, the element of the moment. Anyway, so uh, they finally rake out these coals. There's something like 6,000 degrees, ridiculous, and they're flaming into this round pit. And everybody is standing in a circle looking at this with their pant legs rolled up. And I'm feeling like 
the heat searing my shins. <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. And there was drumming and it was very intense and everyone was just staring at the fire, just going, you know, just getting, getting with their God, basically, and trying to find that part of them that was going to actually walk the talk. And uh, so here I am doing my, holy Moses, what am I doing? And here I am trying to connect with this element of the fire. And then I feel this tap on the lower part of my leg. Tap, tap, tap. And I look down quickly and it's Will. Or at the time he was William. And he's like, Mom. And I'm like, what? Like, really? Right now? Thinking he's got to go to the toilet or something, right? Figures, right? And he says, I want to walk. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> so switching gear, switching hats, and just going, compute, 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 um, irresponsible parent, lets child walk on fire, burns himself, or catches on fire. Um, you know, stories are going through my head in, in like a millisecond. And then this voice comes thundering through. If I don't let him walk, it could change the course of his life. He knows he can do it. Don't take that from him. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Seriously? So talk about conditioning, right? Cultural conditioning. Letting a, oh gosh, how would he would have been? He was in grade one, right? That's when this, this happened. He was in grade one. Oh, so I said, okay, if I can do this, then I will walk over with you. So he was content with that. And then he's telling me to go. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so now a few people have started to walk across the fire and there's embers flying up into the night sky from their feet. And they're just walking across it like they were walking across the grass. And I'm mesmerized. I'm like, this can't be real. This is unreal. And then I kid you not, suddenly I felt something from the middle of my chest, gently tug me over the coals. And so something involuntary that was not part of my conditioning just started walking me across the fire. And it was like walking on lumpy, warm velvet. That's the only way I can describe it. I never felt any heat. It was to this day, the most amazing experience. I got to the other side and this pit would have been easily, wow, it was big. It would have been easily 20 feet in diameter. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but it was big. And he ran around the other side to, to the other side, you know, circumnavigated this fire pit. And I no longer stepped off the coals. Then he grabbed my hand and we immediately began to walk across it. And we're walking through the middle of the pit 
And he looks up at me and he says, Mom, how come I can't feel it? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> we are merged with the fire. It's unbelievable. So, you know, we had sooty feet. That was it. And on the Monday, he went into school and, of course, he told his teacher. <laughs> so all you teachers out there, can you imagine? Of course, I got a phone call, right? So we understand that William did a fire walk on the weekend and we, we checked his feet and they're clean. So we're just wondering if he's making stories up. <laughs> because no parent in their right mind would let a child do a fire walk. Oh boy. Okay. So let's be liberators. Let's just be who we are. And let's support each other to be who we are because we're all magical freaks of nature, you know, faking this 3D life. We are multi-dimensional beings. We can know anything we want. We just have to create the question and then the answer comes. So, all right, this went on a bit longer than I thought. Great questions. Thank you very much, ladies. And have a brilliant week, everybody. Cheerio. Thank you for listening. And hit the subscribe button so we can keep you posted on future episodes, forecasts, and riveting conversations. If you would like to make a submission or be part of the podcast or you'd like to suggest somebody, yeah, just send us a note and we'll track it down. You are part of this tribe and you are important and you are worthy. So run quick, go look in the mirror and repeat that to yourself because it's true. It really is. Big hugs to you. Cheers. Thank you.